You're listening to The Loyalty Minute, the show that helps you build better customer loyalty and more valuable user engagement with your host, Rob Gallo. Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of The Loyalty Minute. I'm your host, Rob Gallo, and today I'm eager and excited to chat with John Knotts. John is the founder and strategy consultant at Redwood Advisors. Thanks for joining me on the show, John. Yeah, Rob, my pleasure. Thank you. So for a bit of background and color about yourself, who you are, where you came from, and where you're going, let's uh, let's fill the listeners in. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so basically, I think, Rob, the reason you know, we're talking today is I do management consulting, a lot of growth strategy work for some pretty big companies. A lot of companies people may be familiar with. We've worked with National Geographic. We've worked with Atlassian, kind of doing longer term kind of strategic planning, right? Where, do we, where does this organization want to be in three to five years? And a key component of that is a customer. And it's really funny when you do these types of, when you do these types of projects, you know, in a lot of companies, it's easy to, it's easy to lose touch, right? It's easy to lose touch with the actual, at the end of the day, how you're delivering value for the customer at the end of the line, the person who's receiving your product or service. And so I've always been very much uh, passionate and concerned about making sure the customer uh, is getting, is getting considered as you're thinking a lot about long-term planning. Um, and we do that type of thinking as part of a broader type of thinking of what we call just strategic planning and growth strategy. Got it. It's kind of what we do. So obviously the name of the show is the loyalty minute. We talk about loyalty from a brand loyalty perspective, customer loyalty perspective. But the first question that I ask all my guests is, how does John Nance feel about loyalty? Like, so what does loyalty mean to you just in the general sense? Yeah, that's great. It's a great question. I, and I, we were talking about this before I got, before we started the call, Rob, it's, it's a great question. So, you know, I think for me, loyalty is, um, I would probably define it as you're strongly inclined to continue to purchase from the company. You're willing to overlook mistakes and you're um, inclined to recommend the product to other people. I mean, if I had to give, I had to define it for myself. I'm not a, I'm not a professor at you know Warden's marketing department, but you know, just off the cuff from my perspective as a consumer and, and someone who does a lot of strategy work, I think those are the three key things. It's like, can you retain them? Right? Um, are they willing to deal with you when you have quality issues? And are they rec- recommending you to other people? So each, all, all three of those tied to really critical growth drivers of any company. And I think I think about my experience as a consumer. I think uh, I think that's probably true for me. The the, the brands that I feel loyal to, um, I think I would be willing to do all three of those things. So, what's a brand? One of the brands, or a couple of the brands that you're loyal to, and why? If you could think of it in a term of a story, you know, like like these guys did this for me, and it made me feel like this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. I love, and I again, I know we were talking about before the show. It's it, it, I was I'm. I'm glad we did because I was thinking about this question in the interim few minutes here. You know, for me, I think I'm sure this comes down to personality, but like the thing that's jumping out to me, and I'll give examples on both is I'm really loyal to companies that I think are actually making a uh, real positive impact in my life. And then companies that are, uh, I think doing something really innovative. So I'll give you an example of that. So the first one is uh, I'm taking a new, uh, 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 kind of a brain supplement or nootropic called Quality of Life. And I did some due diligence on them before purchasing. It's an expensive product over $100, you know, for a month of, of whatever types of, you know, what do you, they've got different things like mental cognition and overall quality of life, skin health. And, uh, you know, it's like 140 bucks for a, a month. You're like, wow, that's a lot of money. 
So I did some due diligence and just the more I learned about this company, I was like, wow, these guys have really done their research. They've got these incredible products. They've got this incredible uh, ingredients. They're not being cheap. Like you can tell they've really, um, it's just very high quality. And I get the product and I use it. And I have to say, I think it, it I mean, I use it this morning and I think it makes a huge difference. It, it just, it's crazy, but it, it, that product freaking works. So I think high quality effect, yeah, high quality effect the products. Um, you know, those guys, and I mean, for them, it's like, it's the price point, right? It's, it's like 140 bucks a month or whatever I'm paying them for my monthly supply of quality of life. But it makes such a high, a good impact on my life. I mean, I recommend it. I'm obviously talking about the company on this show and uh, because it's super, it's super high impact. And I think similarly, another example is like Athletic Greens. Um, and there are other companies that do, um, Athletic Greens is sort of like a mix you can put in your drinks, a lot of micronutrients and stuff like that you can take in the morning. And there are other companies you can get the same ingredients for. Um, we're not the same, but a similar, but they're lower price. Right. But it's like, you know, Athletic Greens created the category. And so for me, it's like, they're the innovators, right? And I mean, me personally, it's like, I want to work with the first. I want to work with the best. So I find that I'm more loyal if someone like, to me, feels like they've done something innovative, right? I'm not going to just go save 10 bucks and get the knockoff. It's like, I know, you know, like you see all these Peloton knockoffs. I think it's so funny. They're called like, pay a ton. And like, I mean, it's just it's totally shameless and it's, it's funny, but I don't want to ride that freaking bike. You know, I, I want to ride the Peloton. If I'm going to ride a bike, I want to ride a Peloton. So, so then would you kind of classify it or categorize the loyalty that you would have to a brand more actual rather than mental in the sense that, you know, sometimes you think about brands and how they make you feel emotionally. This one is just because it works and it does what it says it's going to do. And you've kind of done your research and looked into it and said, you know, this is what I need. This is the service they provide. They provide it seamlessly. Might be more expensive, but I'm willing to stick with them because why go somewhere else where I know this is already working? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very pragmatic. <laughs> I, I think I know consumers, consumers vary on this, right? And some yes. are very into the story and the Coca-Cola bear and all that. You know, Coca-Cola is a great example. Like I, I don't have, I feel dis, I feel distance from Coca-Cola because when I drink it and I'm not to make anyone bad who drinks Coca-Cola, but I'm very sugar sensitive. I'm hypoglycemic. And so for me, when I drink Coke, I don't feel very good. And so for me, the Coke brand has no pull. I actually feel a little pulled away because when I drink the product, I don't feel very good. And I mean, Coke's an amazing brand, but it just, I think it shows that I love their advertising. Yeah. But when I, when I think about the brand, it has no pull to me because, um, because the products just don't make me feel good. Yeah. But I guess, you know, speaking of Coca-Cola, they probably have one of the biggest, most recognizable brands in the world. And you think about people that are loyal to that brand that have failed the taste test, right? Back in the 80s and 90s when they did the Pepsi-Cola challenge and people were uh -huh. using Pepsi but still would buy Coke because they're Coca-Cola drinkers. So they can't see themselves as anything other than a Coca-Cola. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's amazing. But And I don't want to belabor the issue, but getting back to the, the mental acuity that you mentioned earlier about the other product. Quality of life. What is it? Quality of life? Quality of life. Yeah. Maybe someone will you... buy it. Yeah, I'm going to definitely put a link in the in description of the in the show notes. How, how do you compare the difference between being more cognizantly aware than than not meaning like what what do you use as a gauge to say you know after i took this product and i've been on it for however long 
my mental acuity is just a lot better or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, for quality of life, um, it's much more a, uh, I would say the most salient thing for me is sort of calmness and uh, presence. So I just find that I'm, I mean, I, I know it sounds crazy, but you know, if you meditate for an hour, you feel a certain way. If you take a walk outside for two hours without any music and you're just walking on your own, you might be bored for the first 40 minutes. But then when you come back, you're like a little Zen. There's a little bit of a Zen vibe. This gives a Zen vibe. Mm. I mean, and it, it's not arguable. I mean, for me, it's just like, I guarantee you I would succeed in a placebo. I mean, if you, I, I know when I take it versus when I don't. And I'm not necessarily mentally faster. So it's much more of like my presence and awareness and, and all that is much better. And it, which is important. Yeah. You know, I'm not necessarily sharper, but I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah, I do uh, TM twice a day, 20 minutes nice. and 20 minutes tonight. I started maybe five years ago. My daughter and my wife and myself. My son was away in college. He never did it. Now he's bouncing off the walls. I keep trying to tell him to get into it, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's cool. Uh, but uh, so let me, let's move on to the business uh, side of things, John. With the the clients that you normally deal with, right, mm-hmm. at, uh, at Redwood Advisors, when you think about advising them from a loyalty perspective, how to think about their brand in relation to uh, the, the customers that they're trying to attract. I mean, give me some sense of how you think about them and them positioning themselves for uh, a long-term strategy to have a, a, a loyal customer's base for themselves. Yeah, interesting. Well, I'm going to answer this question, I think, in maybe a slightly different way than some of your your previous guests. I think um, where I can offer real perspective here is how this sort of fits into the type of work that we tend to do, which is more of that kind of strategic planning type of thinking. And the thing that really jumps out to me that I think most companies would benefit a lot from is, quite frankly, just understanding the current state of their customers. Like I'm, I've been in multiple billion, multi-billion dollar companies. We don't even know what our customer retention rate is. Like we don't know in any given year, right? What percentage of customers purchase from us again or how many times a customer might purchase for us. So like getting those basic analytics in place and just sort of knowing how are we doing from a net promoter score, from a customer retention, from a share of wallet, like key parameters of just knowing how you're doing. I am really surprised how rare um, those types of analytics are, and they're always prove extremely valuable. So, I mean, I would just say, you know, less from a marketing branding side, but just from a core financial operational strategic side, you know, really measuring your customer metrics like you would cash flow, like you would employee retention, right? Um, I think does make a big difference because. If your retention rate starts going down, it's like the canary in the coal mine, right? It's like, huh, what's going on there? Like, or if your share of wallet starts going down, right? Or if your website visits start going down, like that's the first leading indicator that revenue is going to go down. So the, if, if you follow the customer, you're going to know where your business is headed. And so, um, you know, I would just say, I mean, that's, I, I don't know if that answers your question directly, but I think the thing it makes me think about is the, you know, how much more room there is and how much improvement there is to know your customer better for most, for a lot of companies. And what's, what's the suggestion in terms of the best way to get started for the, uh, you know, for the company to start doing exactly that. Yeah. 
um, I would probably do a diagnostic and say, okay, well, what are we tracking about our customer today? Like what metrics do we currently be tracking? It might be none. It might be two. It might be four. And then you say, okay, that's the current state. Where do we want to be? Like how much information do we really want to know about our customer? And what metrics could we, uh, you know, what metrics do we want to track and potentially define to do that? And like what, at what, at what, how often do we want to measure this monthly, weekly, monthly, daily, quarterly, yearly? Like there's different, you know, right. time frames you can look at. Um, so figure out your metrics, figure out the time frames you want, figure out how you're actually going to get the data to do those and then actually do the tracking. Hmm. So I would call that kind of like a customer, you know, customer management, customer, you know, I don't even know what the right word would be, but some type of customer insights by the best way, customer insights and tracking system. And then obviously to look at the data, learn from it, and then move yourself incrementally in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. That's, you know, it's funny you say that because I think about, you know, uh, maybe not billion dollar companies that I'm doing business with, but hundred million dollar companies that don't seem to have a clue about their mm-hmm. customer base and what their their clients actually want and interacting with their, their product or service. And it's mind boggling to me that these people are just still, you know, leading their market, but don't have any idea of what they're missing out on. And it's, it's frightening, totally. you know, <laughs> but um, so let me ask you then what, what, you know, from, from your standpoint, when you think about creating customer loyalty, What's one of the things that you would implement? Like if you could put in something today to one of those companies that doesn't really have a good strategy and a good plan in place for understanding their customers, what's one takeaway that, that you could give that would say, here's one thing you could do that you would, should start seeing immediate results in your increased customer retention or customer loyalty? Like super tactical or tracking? Tactical. That's really interesting. Um, Imagine they had all the tracking uh, in place, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'm, yeah, no, I've got your, okay. Well, let me, I, I know you just said that, but let me, I, there's, there's, I, I want to, oh, there's three things I want to say say it quickly. I really like net promoter score. Like, I think that is such a helpful metric. Like you can do it for webinars. You can do it like, and it's so interesting to just see what people. So, if I had to pick one metric to just say, okay, if, if we're not doing anything today, what could we do? Just asking people on a scale of one to ten, like how happy are you with our service, and would you recommend it to a friend or family member? And when I give that number, it's I'm really thoughtful about it. I'm just like, well, oh, it feels like a nine. It feels like a three or whatever. So, if nothing else, I think that's a really good number. Um, followed by the area, some form of an actual customer retention rate would be good. So that's number one. The t- second thing is. I think you need to meet your customers. And I see this a lot with my clients where it's like, you need to sit down and actually have a conversation. Like, I think it's some of the best time executives can spend. Like, go actually interview six customers for 20 minutes. And that's three hours. And and you'll actually get their feedback. You know, what's the best thing we're doing? What's the worst thing we're doing? Like, what's been going well? Um, what's, What's bothered you the most? Like, you can, you know, put together an interview guide. And you can either do either interviews or, uh, or um, you know, panel conversations. You can interview a number of customers for an hour together and they can riff off each other. Mm-hmm. That's really important because if you say, if you can say, what are we going to do that's tactical? You got to go figure out well, what, what are the customers actually saying? So 
getting in the room with your customers and getting their input at a rich qualitative level. Like I think the surveying and the surveying and data tracking is never going to really tell you much about what's actually going on. It's going to tell you something's wrong. It's like, it's like the fire alarm. It doesn't tell you where the fire is. It doesn't tell you how big it is. It doesn't tell you what to go do. Do you go grab a fire extinguisher? Do you call the fire department? Do you grab some water? Fire alarm doesn't do any of that. It just makes noise, right? So the, so the dashboards are just making noise, right? They don't really do much for you. I think when you get in the room with your customer, that's when you start getting some real insights. I think that that relates to my third point, which is, and and I I don't know how much this is true, but if I look at myself as a consumer, I'm just super into quality, you know, and when quality starts going down from my perspective, you know, I'm out. And uh, I know we were talking before, but like, I hate to say this, but Panera bread, you know, and I know some people like Panera and every once in a while I'll go in and get a salad, but I remember five or 10 years ago, I was always blown away with the quality of Panera. Just the ingredients felt fresh. And now I go in and it's just, it's just obviously not, right? It's, it's just fast, fast, quote, quote, healthy food, right? But it just, you can just tell it's very manufactured and it doesn't feel like, I, I, as someone who's, you know, I know what they're doing. They're cost cutting on the food side. I, I, I mean, I know exactly what's happening because I've been involved in projects like this. So I can totally imagine the conversation and we're going to save two cents per apple and, you know, whatever. And it's, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but the, you know, the, the food's not as good. The apple sucks. It's, it's, no one wants to eat that apple now. Right. So you might as well just save 40 cents and not even have the apple. Right. Yeah. I, I think people kind of get too caught up into cost optimization and quality goes and like, I, I don't need a Panera anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think uh, Apple probably turned the tides in the uh, personal computer market based on, well, it's hard to say quality, but I mean, ease of use. When I think of a computer, I think of, you know, input, output, you know, it's it's easy for me to put something in, but if I have to install drivers and I have to wait for update this and I have to restart that, you know, to me, they get it, you know, they get it. When I turn my computer on, I want to balance my checkbook. I want to surf the web. I want to do whatever I need to do without having to think about a computer. Right. You know what I mean? And that's, that's to me is the difference. And it's worth, I, you know, I, for what I paid for this laptop, it's probably five X for what I could get a PC for. Right. Right. But I had to work on a PC a couple of weeks ago and I had angst when I walked to the keyboard, I was just, I, you know, I had to install something or whatever. And it was just, I don't know. It's mind-boggling to me. Got you. Got I think you. a lot of it is emotionally attached to just the fact that, you know, the frustration that sets in when you're just trying to accomplish something. Yeah. It, it weighs on you. But I get what you're saying about Panera. If, if, if they're not going to have the same level of quality, you know, um, it, but to keep the price the same is the one thing. I heard something the other day, too. I mean, this might be a little off topic. Arizona Ice Tea. They haven't raised their prices in years. You still get the big jug for 99 cents. I was at CVS the other day. I saw a little bottle of some other stuff and it was like $2.30, And I see this huge one of, Am- uh, of Arizona iced tea, 99 cents. They said the company doesn't want to increase the price. They want to keep everything the same. They lower their margins if need be, but that's, they build on scale and volume. And I was like, that's pretty cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, uh, I, I know we could talk about this stuff forever, but we probably uh, have reached the limit of our listeners' attention span because it's usually snippets from lunch and what have you. So 
Uh, two more quick questions. Mm -hmm. yeah. What does the future of loyalty look like to you? Customer loyalty, brand loyalty. If you could, if you could picture something in the future, Jetchens type, what does it look like? Hmm. Well, I think I think it's going to become more important. And um, I mean, I think I mean that's that's the biggest thing I would say. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm feel I feel affirmed in that just from our conversation today. I think a lot of companies get really focused on revenue and they get focused on these kind of financial figures. And I just think the world's getting more competitive and more technologically sophisticated. And I just think I do think customer loyalty, customer insights are going to be. Are, we're headed towards a world where that's going to become more important. Really having your pulse on this. And I think if you're, if companies don't, I, I do. You know, I think they're. I think those are not going to be the high performers. Yeah. Well, seems like the metaverse is trying to take over, and I've seen companies getting in there like. JP Morgan and uh, and thinking, I'm thinking, what is JP Morgan doing in the metaverse? But they must have a plan for some reason. Probably yeah. extract your data to turn it into money somehow. <laughs> exactly, I'm sure. And then the final question, uh, John, is if if users want, if listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way they could do that? They can even give me an email. Um, uh, Redwood Advisors is the firm, and we do a lot of strategic planning and growth, you know, growth strategy and new markets identification type work. My email is uh, john, J-O-H-N dot A dot N-A-N-T-Z at rwadvisors.com. And people can feel free to email me. I love I love talking about this stuff. Cool. Are you on LinkedIn as well? I'm on LinkedIn as well. John Nance, J-O-H-N, N-A-N-T-Z. Okay. They could look you up. Well, yeah. man, John, I want to thank you for your time and, uh, and your insights. And um, also, I want to thank our loyal listeners for being loyal listeners. If you feel you've, back, uh, you've got some value from the show, please do share. That's how we grow. To reference this and other Loyalty Minute episodes, please look us up at theloyaltyminute.com. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for your next edition of the Loyalty Minute.